0: Several years ago, there was a cartoon in the newspaper. The first frame of the cartoon had a, had a masked man holding a gun at a frightened person. The second frame had the masked man holding out a bag saying, give me all your valuables. The third frame had the man stuffing all of his friends in the bag. At the end of the movie, it's a wonderful life. George Bailey his wife and his children are standing there just overwhelmed with the generosity that all of their friends have shown to them. And then George's brother flies in from New York and as he comes in he offers a toast and he says to my big brother George the richest man in town. And as they're standing there George notices a book in the midst of all this money. He opens up the book and and On the front flap of the inside of the book is a message from Clarence the angel. And the message says, Dear George, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. How do you define rich? How do you define wealth? Do you define it by uh, the possessions you have? Do you define it by the money in the bank? Or, Or do you define rich, do you define wealth, by the people in your life, I heard a, a woman who about a woman who was having a terrible day, and the phone rang and, and the um, voice on the other side of the phone said, "How are you doing and the woman said, "I am horrible i 've got a splitting headache my my back hurts, my feet hurt, my kids are running crazy. My house is a mess." The lady on the other line said don 't worry about it you." go lay down in the bed, I'll come over, I'll, I'll clean up your house, I'll cook you some food, I'll take care of the kids for a while. And then the person said, by the way, how's your husband Sam? And the woman said, Sam, my husband's name isn't Sam. And, and the other lady said, oh dear, I've got the wrong number. There was a long pause. And after the long pause, the housewife said, well, are you still going to come over? She was looking for a friend. She was looking for someone who would come and help her in her time of need. Friendship is a powerful thing. Let me give you some definitions of friendship. Irma Bombeck said, A friend is someone who won't go on a diet when you're fat. Amen. Someone else said, obviously someone with children said, A good friend is one who doesn't buy your child a horn or a drum for their birthday. Henry Ford said, a good friend is someone who brings out the best in you. That's an amen, isn't it? Another person said, a friend will tell the truth even when it offends us. Someone else said, a real friend is someone who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. A real friend is someone who walks in when the rest of the world walks out. I I like this definition. A friend is one who helps in time of need who listens when we need to talk, who rejoices when we are honored, who is sad when we are discouraged. A friend is someone who laughs when we laugh and cries when we cry. Thomas Fuller said, no man can be happy without a friend. But then he said this, nor be sure of his friend till he is unhappy. No one can be happy without a friend nor can that person be unsure of their friends until they are unhappy. I believe that. Unfortunately, many of us have a difficult time with friendship. I heard a story about Pepper Rogers. He was the coach at UCLA, and they were having a terrible season one year. And, and it seemed like everybody was against him. He was getting all this hate mail from fans. And, and one day he came home, and, and he had an argument with his wife. And after that argument, he looked at his wife and said, I only have one friend, and that's my dog, and everybody needs two friends. The next day, his wife went out and bought him another dog. (laughs) Some of us struggle with friendships. Listen to what the Bible says. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, get this, his friend can help him up someone falls down, his friend can help him up. But then it goes on to say, but pity the man who falls and has no one, no friend, to help him up. In Proverbs 27, verse 9, Solomon said this, just as lotions and fragrance give sensual delight, in other words, just as lotions that we rub on our skin and fragrances that we smell with our nose give delight to our touch and to our smell, it says a sweet friendship... ...refreshes the soul. Sweet friendship refreshes the soul. This morning, I want to share with you three things... ...that I believe all of us need to know about friendship... ...as we wrap up this series on It's a Wonderful Life. Because the truth of the matter is... ...the richest man in town is not the person with the most possessions... ...it's not the person with the biggest bank account... ...it's not the person that lives in the nicest neighborhood with the largest house... Is the person that has the most real friends. So let me share with you three things. First of all, how to be a good friend. Proverbs 18 verse 24 says this. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. That's the King James Version. And to be honest with you, that's not the best translation of that verse. But the truth of the matter is that is a biblical truth. There is an old saying that goes like this. I went out to find a friend but could not find one there. I went out to be a friend and friends were everywhere. I went out to find a friend and could not find one there. I went out to be a friend and and I found friends everywhere. But, But the question is, what are the characteristics of friendship? Psychology today did a survey several years back of 40,000 readers to discover the traits of, of genuine friendship. And this is what they discovered. The most highly valued traits in friends were loyalty, warmth and affection, and the ability to keep a confidence. Those were the most important. The second most important were support, frankness, and a sense of humor. Now, the amazing thing is what psychology today found out by doing a survey of 40,000 readers, they could have discovered if they would have only dug into the Word of God because the Word of God says the same thing. And as we talk about how to be a good friend, there are a number of characteristics that that we could focus on, that we could look at. But but what I want to do is share with you four that I think are are vital. The first one is commitment. If I want to be a good friend, I've got to be committed to that friend. In Proverbs 17 verse 17, it says, a friend loves at all times. And then it goes on to say, and a brother is born for adversity. Solomon is saying there that there are different levels of friendship. Bill Gothard said that there are four levels of friendship. There's an acquaintance, an acquaintance is based upon so occasional contacts. You, you know their name. You may know about their family, things like that. That's an acquaintance. And then there are those that you have a casual relationship with. These are based upon common interests or activities. You work with them and, and you play with them. And then there is close friendship. And close friendships are based upon mutual life goals. You want the same things out of life. But then Goddard says there are intimate friendships. And intimate friendships are based on a commitment to develop each other's character. Now the truth of the matter is many people go through their entire life without experiencing a friendship like that. Many of us don't even have a friendship like that with our spouse. Where we're committed to building up one another's character. I'm convinced that that kind of friendship is a dying trait in America today. You may have heard the story about the Lone Ranger and Tonto when they were riding through the desert, when all of a sudden they looked, and on the hills around them, they were surrounded by thousands of of Indians. And and the Lone Ranger looked at Tonto and said, Tonto, what are we going to do now? And Tonto said, we? What do you mean we, white man? You see, many of us have friends like that who are fair-weathered friends. Charles Colson tells a story about about when he was released from prison, he was asked to speak at George Washington University. It was a very hostile environment. And he was fielding questions at a rapid pace. And someone asked him a question about a comment, a negative criticism, that Henry Kissinger made about Richard Nixon. And then the person followed up with, What do you think about that comment and and Chuck Colson looked at the audience and it was a hostile audience and here's what he said he said everyone knows the negative traits of Richard Nixon he's been the most dissected president in human history I could tell you the positive characteristics of Richard Nixon but but I don't think it would do any good and then he said this he said I disagree with what Henry Kissinger said because Mr. Nixon is my friend, and I never turn my back on my friends. The room was silent for just a moment, and all of a sudden, the place erupted in a standing ovation because even these people who disagreed with Colson and Nixon could understand what it meant to be loyal to a friend. You see, if you want to find out who your friends really are, The easiest way to do it is to make a mistake, amen? I mean, if you really want to find out who's with you, mess up. And then you'll discover who's really with you. Somebody said this, in prosperity, our friends know us, but in adversity, we know our friends. Wow. In prosperity, our friends know us, but in adversity, we know Our friends. A true friend loves at all times. Not just when we're on the mountain, but when we're in the valley. Not just when we're prosperous, but when we're poor. Not just when we're right, but when we're wrong. Someone said the role of a friend is to stick with you when you're wrong. Everyone will stick with you when you're right. And that's so true. Lawrence Peters said you can always tell a real friend by the fact that when you make a fool of yourself, they don't believe it's a permanent job. I like that. The fact is, every friend's going to disappoint you. Every friend's going to let you down. Every friend's going to hurt you. Every friend's going to anger you. And the reason is, is because we're all sinners. We all struggle with a fallen nature, even when we're redeemed. And, and over the long haul, everybody is going to let you down. I've heard people say before things like this, Well, I don't take sides. Listen, friends take sides. Amen? I mean, that's the kind of friend I want. I want a friend that's going to stand with me. He's going to take my side. That's commitment. That's loyalty. So the first quality is commitment. The second quality is confidentiality. You see, the quickest way to kill a friendship is to reveal things that are said in confidence. Before you can ever get close to a person, there must be an ability to trust that person with With whatever you say. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 17 verse 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Proverbs 11 verse 13. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Somebody said that the reason that a dog has so many friends is because a dog wags its tail instead of its tongue. I think there's a lot of truth in that. You see, many of us never have a friendship to that level where we can really trust what someone's saying. Can you be trusted? Do you have someone that you can trust? Listen, you're never going to really be accountable to someone, and we all need accountability, amen? You're never going to really be accountable to someone unless there's someone that you really, really trust. It's so confidentiality. The third quality of a, of a real friend is that they are constructive. A, a, a real friend builds up rather than tears down. A, a real friend is a healer rather than a herder. Dale Carnegie said, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in people than you can in two years by trying to get people interested in you. G.K. Chesterton said, the truly great person is the person who makes everybody feel great. I mean, have you ever been around somebody like that? I mean, to be honest with you, there's only a handful of people that I've ever been around that are that way. I mean, it's a gift, but it's also a characteristic that you and I, if we work on it, can develop in our life. I mean, I've been around a handful of people that, I mean, no matter who you are, no matter what stage of life you're in, they just have a way of making you feel like you're somebody. You're special. You matter. And that's what a friend does. A friend is constructive. A friend builds up. Listen to what it says in Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen: As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Another translation of that verse says this, As iron sharpens iron, friends shape friends. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse verse 11 it says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up. Are, Are you an encourager? Are you building people up? You know it's easy to encourage somebody when they're down or it's easier. It's more difficult to encourage somebody when they're up, isn't it? Because when someone's up, when things are going good for someone else, we tend to get jealous. You see, or are, are we enthusiastic when things are going good for someone else? If we want to be a real friend, we need to become our friend's best cheerleader. I, I read a true story this week that, I mean, it... it, it it was an amazing story. It was about a high school freshman who, who had this big weekend plan. He was going to a party after he went to a football game with friends. And as he was walking home, he noticed this, this kid who was walking home. He, he seemed to be carrying all of his books in his hand. And, and he thought, man, this kid must be a nerd carrying all of his books home on the weekend." About that time, a group of other kids came around him, um, surrounded him, pushed him down, knocked all of his books out of his hand. His glasses that he was wearing flew off his face about five feet. This young man watched that, and, and he went over there after it happened and helped Kyle up. He said, those guys are jerks. They should have never done that. And then he helped Kyle pick up his books. He went and got his glasses and and... Kyle began to smile, even through the tear that was coming down his face. As this young man talked with Kyle, he realized that Kyle lived just right around the block from him, and so he offered to help Kyle take his books home. And then he offered to let Kyle go with him and his friends that night to the party and then out to the football game. And, And what he discovered as he spent time with Kyle was Kyle was a pretty cool kid. And over the next four years... Kyle and this young man and and the rest of his friends developed this incredible friendship. Well, Kyle began to grow up, and this nerdy kid who looked goofy no longer looked goofy. He looked rather athletic, and and even though he wore glasses, he looked pretty spiffy in those glasses. And it came time to graduate from high school, and and this young man was going to Duke. The other one was going to George Washington University to study medicine. And Kyle, the one who was knocked down, he was the valedictorian of the class. So he was able to give a valedictorian speech. And and this is what he said. I want you to listen. He said, graduation is a time to thank, thank those who have helped you make it through those tough years. Your parents, your teachers, your sibling, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. I'm here to tell you all that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give them. I'm going to tell you a story. And then he related how, as a freshman, he had decided that life wasn't worth living. He had planned on that particular weekend to kill himself. And he cleared out his locker of all of his books and all of his possessions so his mother wouldn't have to go to the school to clear out his locker. But then he said, thankfully... I was saved. My friend kept me from doing the unspeakable. Wow. You see, a friend is constructive. A friend is someone who comes in, builds us up, encourages us, brings out the best in us. A friend is committed. A friend is confidential. A friend is constructive. But finally, and this is the difficult one, a friend is candid. You see, a real friend is open and honest with us. Real friendship, if it's real, is a relationship where a friend is able to tell us the truth even when it hurts. And, and the reason we need that is each and every one of us have blind spots in our life. We, we have things in our life that we don't see, that we don't recognize. And, and if we're not careful, we can make terrible mistakes, but... But when we have friends gathered around us, they're able to rescue us. We need someone who, who when we're headed in the, right, wrong, the wrong direction, they're willing to get in our face and say, oh, wait a second, you're making a mistake. Listen to what it says in the Bible, Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. And then listen to the second part, wounds from a friend... Can be trusted. Wow. I mean, when you've developed a friendship with someone and you know that they love you, you know they're committed to you, you know that they're going to keep a confidence, and they come to you with something that hurts, you can know that they've developed the relationship with you where they are able to do that. Proverbs 24, verse 26 says, An honest answer is a sign of true friendship. When I go to the doctor, I don't want the doctor to tell me, hey, Rocky, you look great, everything's wonderful, if I've got a cancer growing inside of me. I don't want them to tell me to eat whatever I want if my cholesterol is high and, and my blood sugar rate is high. I, I want them to be honest with me. I want them to be candid with me because I want them to help me. You see, we all need friends in our life who will be honest with us and candid with us. So the first thing we need to do is we need to be a good friend. And a good friend is committed. A good friend is confidential. A good friend is constructive. And a good friend is candid. But the second thing I want to share with you about friendships this morning is this. We need to choose our friends wisely. You see, you are shaping the people you spend time with, but what you need to understand is the people you were spending time with are also shaping you. That's why it's so important to choose the right kinds of friends. Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen says, A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown in the kind of friends he chooses a mirror reflects a man's face but what a man is really like is seen in the friends that he chooses proverbs 12:26 says a righteous man is cautious in friendship but the way of the wicked leads them astray another translation of that verse says choose friends carefully You see, the words of of Solomon are not only words of wisdom, they're words of warning to us. Solomon not only teaches us how to make friends, he he shows us how to measure our friends to to see if they measure up to what we need in our life. A more accurate translation of Proverbs 18, 24, I I told you as I read that one, uh, uh, a friend must show himself friendly. A more accurate translation of that verse is this. Some friends may ruin you. But a real friend will be more loyal than a brother. The word for friends, that first word, is the Hebrew word raya. It carries the connotation of an associate or a companion, but it literally carries a negative connotation in the Hebrew. What Solomon is saying is there are some friends that will lead you astray. Watch out. But then there are those friends that will stick with you Closer than a brother. You see, we need to choose people in our life who are going to build us up, not people who are going to drag us down. Let me give you a few verses from Proverbs and Psalm that teach this. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Psalm 119, verse 63. David said... I am a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. You see, to walk is to do life with someone, to, to hang out with them, is to be close friends with them. And the Bible says we are to be friends with the wise, and if we are, we will become wise. But if we are friends with fools, people who are walking independently, separated from God, we will suffer harm. The first part is a promise. The second part is a warning. C.H. Spurgeon said this. He said, a man is known by the company he shuns as well as the company he keeps. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Another translation of that verse says, don't fool yourself. Bad friends will destroy you. Now, there are some people that will say, well, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Isn't that what the Bible says? But there are two things that you need to understand. First of all, you aren't Jesus. I mean, just understand that. I mean, when you heal the sick and cause the dead to come back to life when you're able to turn the water into wine when when you're able to do the miracles that jesus did then anything he did you can do but but understand there are things that jesus did there are situations that jesus put himself in that that we're not to do but the second thing you need to understand is this jesus was friendly to everyone But the people that he surrounded himself with, his disciples, the twelve, the three, those people that he did life with, those were people who had bought into his vision of who he was and what he was going to do. So what's the truth? The truth is be friendly to everyone. But when you're choosing those close friends that you're walking through life with, you need to choose people who are headed in the direction that you want to head. Let me give you a couple of verses. Proverbs 1 verse 10 says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. Psalm 1. Happy are those who don't listen to the wicked, who don't go where sinners go, who don't do what evil people do do. Choose your friends wisely. Be a good friend. But then the third thing I want to share with you as I wrap this up is is the one friend we all need. You see, there's one friend that each and every one of us needs in life. Jesus was speaking one day to his disciples in John 15. It's right after that chapter where he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me and my father's house are many mansions many rooms and he gives that and and then in John 15 he says this to his disciples greater love has no man than this that he lay down his life for his friends And, and Jesus was preparing them for what he was about to do he was about to lay down his life for his friends and then he says this you are my friends if you do what I command and then he went on to say, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I have learned from my father I have made known to you. Jesus was saying to his disciples, those that are around him, those who have chosen him, he said, You are my friends. In James chapter 2, verse 23, James said this, he said, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. I got to tell you, if there's one friend I want in my corner, it's Jesus, amen? If there's someone I want standing with me through thick and thin, it's Jesus, if there's someone I want to come to my rescue when I'm in need, it's Jesus. Jesus is the friend that we all need. In 1844, Joseph Scriven discovered that. Joseph Scriven had wealth, he had education, he had a devoted family, he had a, a pleasant life in Ireland where he lived. He was planning to be married and then unexpectedly tragedy, tragic, um, tragedy hit his life. The night before he was to get married, his fiance drowned. The night before he was to get married, she drowned. He was overcome with grief. He was overcome with sorrow. He, he didn't think anyone understood at all. He said about 11 o'clock in the night, he finally fell asleep, and he was awakened at 2 o'clock in the morning by Jesus And this is what Joseph Screvin said. It changed my life. Jesus revealed himself to him. In all of his love. all of his mercy. and all of his grace. And he began to live for the Lord. With all of his heart. Several years passed. And and his mother became terribly sick. And and he wrote her a letter. He was now living in Canada. He wrote her a letter. And he, he included a poem that he had written For his mother. Years later, he was suffering from from diphtheria and was on his deathbed himself when when someone came to visit him. And he noticed this this piece of paper that was folded up by his bed. And he asked, What was that? And he said, Well, that's a poem that Jesus and I wrote several years ago to my mother. And these were the words to that poem. You, you, You know them. What a friend. We have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Cumbered with the load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. You will find a solace there. You see, Jesus is a friend we all need. That's the three questions. Are you a good friend? He who has friends has to first be friendly. Are you choosing your friends wisely? Friends that will build you up and help you become all that God intends for you to be. And then finally, are you friends with Jesus? Now here's what I've come to understand in America. The overwhelming majority of us will say quickly, I'm a friend of Jesus. We all claim that. But the question is, are we really a friend of Jesus? I- here's what the Bible says. In the book of James, Abraham believed God and God reckoned his belief as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see, there's that belief that you have to have to be a friend of God. Now, belief is an intellectual belief. Belief is trusting with your life it's not enough to believe the facts about who god is and who jesus is it's we in this christmas season we we think about the virgin birth we think about the, the the perfect life and and we even think about the greatest gift ever given the death of jesus on the cross and his resurrection to pay for our sins and and most of us in america believe those things But that's not what belief means. Belief is when you take those facts and those beliefs have moved from your head to your heart and they've permeated your life and they've changed you. You begin to trust God with everything in your life. Have you done that? Have you trusted Jesus? Not just to save you, but have you trusted Jesus to guide you? But then there's a second step if you're going to be a friend of God. Jesus said this in John, verse 15, or John chapter 15, verse 13. He said, You are my friends if you do what I command. You see, if I really trust, that trust is going to so permeate my life that it's going to lead me to want to obey. You, you remember the song, If You're My Age, You're or older at least, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The truth is, trust, real trust, leads to obedience. It's not that we're saved by trusting and then obeying. We're saved by trusting, but biblical trusting it results in obedience. We fall in love with Jesus. His spirit comes to live in us. And, and we want to live for him and follow him. So so I ask you, are you a friend of Jesus? Have you trusted him for your salvation? With your life? Is there a desire within you to be obedient to everything he says in his word? If you're not, then I want to encourage you this morning. To become a friend to Jesus. I want you to bow your head with me. With your head bowed. With your eyes closed. The truth of the matter is. Each and every one of us can be better friends. And and I want to encourage you. To make a commitment. To be the friend that Jesus. Wants you to be. The truth is. We all need to choose our friends wisely. But more than anything else. Each and every one of us. Need to have Jesus as their friend. And so if you're not here and if you're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus, whether here in this service or at our West Campus, I want to encourage you this morning to humble yourself and give your life to Jesus. You can do it by praying this simple prayer, Dear Jesus, I know that I need you. I am a sinner. I've lived life my way. Please forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the grave to defeat sin and death. I'm giving myself to you right now. Come into my heart. Take control of my life. From this moment on, I want to live for you, Jesus, because you love me so much. Thank you for hearing me, and thank you for saving me. Amen.